It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton back with you as we're in for Susan Littlefield today. She's at Washington Watch. Be hearing from policymakers and more throughout the week here on the Rural Radio Network. Talking today's trade with us, Sue Martin of Ag and Investment, Clarion, Iowa. Sue, it is always a joy to start off a new trading week being able to talk to you. You give us kind of the what to be on the look for this week as well. Really kind of pick up what happened on Monday's trade. But it's good for the Ag today. Livestock higher grains higher across the board a good day for ag uh, what seemed to really be that driving factor here that helped that wheat midday rally up to join the corn and beans higher well i think a couple things one was over the weekend we had um and they were talking about it late last week poland and um Hungary were banning imports of Ukrainian wheat into the country and corn, um, mainly because of the farmers, the domestic farmers of those two countries have been suffering with the uh, added input of extra supplies. And, of course, it was breaking their domestic prices. So uh, those countries stood against imports of Ukrainian grain. And then you have Russia, who is continuing to let the world be on notice, especially the western side of the of the world, on notice that this Black Sea Grain Corridor isn't going to run very smoothly, and they stopped uh, inspecting vessels in the Turkish waters here overnight. And so while the market at first wasn't paying attention, and it was mainly because there was some rain in the forecast for hard red winter wheat, and then, of course, some chillier temps for the soft red. Consequently, that you had some unwinding of spreads where they were liquidating long KC wheat and then buying back short Chicago. But you also had the market then taking a hold as the day garnered or moved on, and uh, the market started to pay more attention to Russia's uh, actions. And I think Russia's serious this time. They're going to be very aggressive, and um, they're going to be kind of tweaking along the way little reminders that they're going to stand on their ground. And and uh, they've got a list of five things they want. One of them is the removal of sanctions against SWIFT so that they can get, um, you know, banking done easily for exports. And of course, there's four others. And I don't think they're going to get all five, but they might get a couple of them. And if that be the case, then they may say, okay, fine, we'll, we'll let the corridor go you know, another 60 days, or they might say, okay, we'll go for 120 days. But uh, they're going to certainly stand their ground this trip around, and they're saying that they've never been given what they were promised. We weren't aware that they were really promised anything, but regardless, they're in control at this time. And so that set the market stronger. And keep in mind, Friday, the market really did an about-face last Friday and just went gangbusters higher. KC Wheat hitting as much as 36, 39 cents higher on the day. So today's early pullback also was kind of like sort of digesting Friday's trade a little bit and then turning around and putting that on some more uh, mileage along the way was very good sign for that market. So there's a lot of positivity coming here into the trade 
We talk about the Black Sea and in particular Russia wanting to block a lot of the export traffic coming out of uh, Ukraine, but as well coming out European Union members. Uh, we've got Poland, Slovakia, Hungary. They're coming out and saying they don't want to take any more Ukrainian grain either because it's coming in below cost of production for their farmers and actually hurting their own internal ag industry. So are we going to see maybe a little bit of a bottleneck of Ukrainian grain? And does that pose threats to future uh, supply if they start to really back up Ukraine? grain in country? Well, I think, first off, if they start to back up, which it appears they may do, back up grain in country, one, they don't have the storage capacity to handle that grain and then be having new crops coming in. So that's not going to be good. Uh, It'll lower the price domestically in their country, but also then today, early too, we had Russia discounting their wheat, but in the meantime, it, I think, you know, we have to keep in mind what broke the market. It was the operation of the Black Sea Corridor getting grain moved around the world, especially to where you had poorer countries needing it. Now, if you back it up, that should have a reverse effect and lift the wheat markets higher and help support corn. So there's a lot to keep in mind here when we look at this trade from a global picture. Sue, we've got about a minute left here, still kind of focusing on more of this macro market trend. The dollar under a lot of pressure last week, China putting plenty of pressure on it, Brazil putting some pressure on it with the real. We come back Monday, it looks like the dollar's back trying to maintain control over the global economy. What's your take? Well, I think the one thing we have to keep in mind is hedge funds um, basically went um, all in on major currencies. They they sold all major currencies overnight, and that was versus the dollar. And the last time they did that was back on January 22nd of or January of 22, I should say. And so it's been a long time since they've done it. That's putting support under the dollar dollar and means that as the dollar gets stronger then it takes more of those foreign currencies to buy what they need. You also have China coming into play here as well. And China's now off of lockdowns. They're coming back. They said it would take nearly uh, late spring, summer to get their feet on the ground. It appears that's the case. And all of a sudden, they're trying to secure supplies around the world. They're the world's largest importer. So here they are in Brazil and securing, but they're also coming to the U.S. and booking corn. They've even started last week booking some new crop corn. Again, that is Sue Martin with Ag and Investment Clarion, Iowa. Stick around for segment two as we're going to talk North American production and look at our own supplies. That's all right here on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield as she's in Washington, D.C. this week. Joining the trade talk today on the Final Bell, that is uh, that is Sue Martin with Ag and Investment in Clarion, Iowa. Sue, we focused a lot on global production, global supply, as well as macro market influences in segment one. Let's take it now to North America back here. It is planning season. We're soon to get out the latest numbers from USDA and our crop progress numbers. Uh, with that, though, seeing upwards of 18 inches of snow in parts of Wisconsin here over the last 24 hours, plenty of snow still in Minnesota and the Dakotas. What does this say for an early planting season here in the U.S.? forecast is for cooler temps for them for about the next 10 days. And so that's going to slow that melting a little bit. But all in all, um, if you focus on Iowa, Nebraska, um, a part of South Dakota, you know, I would say pretty much, you know, all of South Dakota, much of Nebraska, if not all, a chunk of Iowa, and most of Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas were all very dry. When you look at that, it just speaks to, well, we were hearing uh, reports last week that uh, there was irrigation running in various parts of Nebraska, and some even finally then just stopped planting because it was so dry and the winds were so high. So, you know, we're kind of the same way. We're windy here today, and um, we had high winds over the uh, weekend, uh, very little moisture in Iowa. Maybe northeastern Iowa caught some, mostly in snow, but um, I got to say, Iowa's a very dry state, and that's a concern. And then you look at Illinois, Indiana, maybe Ohio, too, um, but those states were dry as we went into the fall, and then through winter, they caught some moisture, but, you know, all in all, it isn't going to take much, and they could turn dry as well. I think we're looking at a situation here that Mother Nature is going to be so, I mean, she's critical every year, but we already are coming in with very low carryouts. The USDA, NAS, is predicting these acres and above trend yields. We may not get that. In fact, that above trend yield, I think, is really pushing the envelope a little bit here. But it's going to take time for the market to realize that. And Mother Nature is going to be watched very closely between now and mid-June. We expect us to see above normal temps remain very dry. And then, of course, these winds that we're getting doesn't help the situation either. They exasperate the um, uh, dryness already. And so as we go towards mid-June, we think we're going to be warmer and drier in a chunk of the Midwest. And then as we get into mid-June, our weather sources are saying we're going to see some rains, start picking up rains. If we do, that'll be ideal. But we'll see. Do we get that or does it get pushed out in time? So there's a lot to keep in mind when it comes to this. Today we also get out NOPA crush numbers, and they beat analyst expectations of around 185.8 million bushels. So, Sue, from that perspective, we know we have tight supplies here in the U.S. Brazil has a big crop of beans. Does that say anything for the current state of the domestic soy market here in the U.S.? Well, I think one thing we have to keep in mind, yes, Brazil's got a big crop. But we also have to keep in mind Brazil, like the U.S., is gravitating towards renewable fuels and biodiesel. And so um, that means that we're going to see a demand pull for crushing the beans and then having the uh, uh, 
veg oil or the soy oil usage increasing. Now in the U.S., if we have, we have plants coming on deck here in 24 on into late 24, 25. And I think that that's with as tight as our carryout is in the soybean market. We need to have beans, and I don't know if we can get enough beans. We may have to import beans to be able to get enough to be able to crush for the for the oil while we accumulate for the soy meal and enter the market and compete against Argentina on that. But all in all, it's going to be interesting because the demand pull for beans is going to be huge as we go through the last half of this year and start gravitating into some of those new plants starting to come online in 24. So we've got about 40 seconds here as we start to round out the conversation. Farmers in many cases haven't gotten the planter yet. How concerned should they be in their marketing plan given where prices are right now? At some point, if we're going to see a four trade in front of December corn, for example, I think it's going to be in the last half of this year. So I would say if you're wanting to market anything or feeling like you need to be marketing, I would suggest doing so on hedge to arrives and leaving your basis untouched. And also what I really would do if you do that, I would own some call options back to protect that upside. Mother Nature is kind of a little bit testy these days, and if she really stays hot and dry, that market's going to explode. Again, Sue Martin, Ag and Investment Clarion, Iowa, joining us on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Thank you to Fontenelle Hybrids for their continuing support of the program. Do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Catch the podcast at RuralRadioNetwork.com. 